Amen. So this morning, uh, we're going to be in Joshua 24. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and read it. We're going to be in uh, uh, Joshua 24, and we're going to look at uh, from verses 1 through uh, verses 15. So then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshiped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau and assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau. But to Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. And I brought you to a land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. And they fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, and, put some, and tried to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I del delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came into Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you and did also the Amorites, the Pezrites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword or bow. And so I gave you the land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness and throw away the gods of your forefathers and the ones that they worship beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Ah. <sighs> You know, I chose this passage because, uh, you know, in my life, 
a lot of times when I recognized that I was uh, facing adversity or going into a situation that was unknown to me, I would pray that the Lord would go before me. And knowing that uh, um, that was Joshua's prayer in this book, that uh, the Lord went before him and uh, he was the one that... Uh, conquered the land for Joshua. You know, Joshua Joshua led the people, but um, the Lord was the one that, uh, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord. So, the theme of this, uh, the theme of the book of Joshua is really conquest, fulfillment, and service to the Lord. And... Um, I've titled this message, You Gotta Serve Somebody, you know, and that sounds familiar because Bob Dylan wrote the song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And uh, Joshua was written in about 1400 B.C. And a little background on Joshua, his name was originally Hosea, which means salvation. But in Numbers 13.8, when Moses sent out the 12 spies to uh, spy out the land, only he and Caleb came back with a good report. And so at that point, Moses uh, renamed him Joshua, which means the Lord saves or the Lord gives victory. And the Greek, the Greek form of the name means Jesus. And so... Uh, We'll start in uh, verse 1 here. When Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, the leaders, the elders, and the judges, and the officials of Israel, they presented themselves to God. Now, if you guys remember, uh, Shechem is the place where um, Abraham built an altar there. And in Genesis 6... God made uh, his first promise to uh, Abraham. And so I want to turn there and I want to read that promise. Oh, I'm sorry. Genesis 12. Then the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be a blessing to you. Now, that's a sevenfold promise right there but the end of that promise really that's for us you know um, to all the people on earth we will be blessed through year and that that's uh, you know that's for the Gentiles and so in uh, Galatians sorry you guys in Galatians 3 8 
it says that the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And that promises for us, you know, that's uh, by faith, you know, the faith that Abraham had, that promise will be us, will be for us. And so, um, again, back in uh, Genesis, um, I'm sorry, you guys. So that, uh, that little verse there in Genesis, that, that's a whole Bible study alone. So uh, we won't really go into that. But uh, if, you, uh, if you really want to study it, you can read Romans 4. It has much to say about the faith and how it pertains to all of us who believe, and uh, if you uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then uh, that's the faith that we need. So, in, uh, in Genesis 15, 620, that's when God makes the uh, um, covenant with uh Abraham, and uh, it's interesting because uh, in that covenant right there, <clears throat> he says, Abraham believed the Lord, and he quitted it to him as righteousness. And he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and the Chaldeans and gave you this land to take possession of it. And um, interestingly enough, he goes on to predict that uh, as, as the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and, and be buried in a good old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sins of the Amorites have not, re not reached their fullness. Now, um, you know the rest of the story when... Uh, Abraham uh, and his wife, Sarah, you know, she was barren and didn't have any children. And Sarah talked to Abraham into sleeping with Hagar and uh, she had Ishmael. And then the Lord, you know, the Lord made a promise to him that, uh, you know, he would be the father of many descendants. And uh, it wasn't until Abraham was 100 years old 
that he finally had Isaac. And then again, Isaac marries Rebecca, and uh, she has twins, and Ishmael was first, and then uh, uh, Jacob. So Jacob tricks Ishmael into getting the blessing, and uh, in both cases, the second born get the blessing. Now, you remember when Joseph was in uh, Egypt that uh, Manasseh and Ephraim were born to him, and when Jacob, Jacob uh, finally comes down there and uh, sees the boys, and he's getting ready to die. He, bless, he blesses the boys, but he crosses his arms, and he blesses the younger again, which is Ephraim. Now, interestingly enough, um, you know, God's not interested in the firstborn. He's interested in the second birth. And I think with us, he's interested in the second birth. He's interested in being for us to be born again. And uh, interestingly enough, Joshua is the one that comes out of Ephraim. And he's the one that will ultimately fulfill the promises by going into the land and uh, conquering the land for the Lord. And so, um, you know, a little side note here. God gives the land to Israel. But it's not really theirs. It's, it's God's land. In Psalm 132, 13, God says, He has chosen Zion, and this will be my dwelling place, and this will be my resting place forever and ever. And so essentially, God has leased the land to Israel, but the rent is their obedience. And you'll see that you know, throughout the history of Israel that, um, you know, when they're obedient, they get to enjoy the land and the fruit of its produce. But when they're disobedient, John, uh, God disciplines them. And ultimately, because of their disobedience, you know, God removes them from the land and uh, takes them into captivity. So... Uh, Back in Joshua. So Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Ner, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led them throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants, and I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and I assigned the hill country uh, to Esau, of the hill country of Seir. And by Jacob and his sons, they went down to Egypt. Interestingly enough, when Joshua is giving this message, in uh, verse 3, he begins to speak in first person. And so, it's, uh, it's only somebody that's truly anointed by God that can speak for God that way. And uh, we recognize that uh, Joshua was um, 
anointed by God. And Moses um, anointed him to uh, be his successor and, and blessed him. But uh, then in verse 5, he says, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought out your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians to bring the sea over them and cover them. And you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did to the Egyptians. And then you lived in the desert for a long time. Well, everybody knows the story about uh, um, what God did in Egypt and how uh, Moses led the people out of Egypt. And um, again, uh, Joshua is speaking in first person here so that uh, it was God who led the people out, and it was God who brought their fathers out of Egypt. And um, they cried out to the Lord, and uh, the Lord performed a great miracle. He divided the Red Sea, and the uh, Israelites went over on dry ground, and the Egyptians went in to follow them, and God just brought the sea back on them, and that was the end of the Egyptians. The Egyptians no longer uh, pursued Israel at all. But he goes on to say that they lived in the desert for a long time, and, uh, you know, after they were in the desert for a while, the Israelites started to grumble, and, um, you know, of course, Moses went up to the mountain to get, to get the Ten Commandments. And when he came down, they had, they had built a golden calf. They had made a golden calf. And uh, um, he was pretty angry with them. So they, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And uh, at that point, you know, uh, God was so mad at them that he told them that all your men of war... All your men that uh, um, behave so wickedly, none of them will enter into the, into the promised land. But uh, only Caleb and Joshua, the ones that came back with a, a good report, um, would, would enter into the promised land. <clears throat> and so that... Uh, that little section there of Joshua is pretty much about the fulfillment of, uh, you know, God's promises. And then in, in verse 8, uh, we begin to uh, look at the conquest, you know, where God says, I brought you out to the land of the Amorites who lived in the Jordan, and they fought against you. Now, the Amorites, they were the ones on the uh, east side of the Jordan, um, and uh, they, uh, they wound up fighting with those guys and, and conquering those guys. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, though, um, back in uh, Genesis 15, God talks about the sins of the Amorites. 
You know, and as a Christian, over the years, one of the questions and one of the uh, concerns that uh, I've encountered with people who uh, um, either don't believe or um, don't like the Bible is, you know, why is God so uh, mean? Why is God, you know, uh, kill all these people in the uh, Old Testament? Well, the fact of the matter is, he was really patient with the Amorites. That was 600 years that uh, um, he dealt, you know, he dealt with the Amorites before, um, you know, finally sending Joshua in there to destroy them. But, you know, the Amorites, they were really, really wicked people. And, and they worshipped uh, Molech and they sacrificed their children to, uh, to their gods. And, you know, they just did really despicable things. And, uh, you know, God was really patient with them. And a lot of people don't recognize that um, the, the kind of people that they were were um, just terrible, terrible people. And it, uh, it was just time for them to be judged. You know, God is long-suffering and... Uh, he gave them over 600 years, you know, to change their ways. <clears throat> so, uh, in chapter 8, he says, I brought you out of the land. <clears throat> and, uh, again, you know, Joshua is speaking in first person. It was God who was going to do it. So, uh, <clears throat> before they entered the land, though, Joshua sent out a couple of spies, and uh, they went into uh, Jericho. Now, when they went to Jericho, they, they went into a, a prostitute's house, uh, Rahab. Now, I don't know if you remember her, but, uh, you know, she was the one that told the spies, listen, you guys, the people are melting because they know who you are, and they know what God did for you, and they know that God has given you the land. And so she had complete faith in, in God. And uh, the, the, the spies, they, they made a deal with her that uh, if she would hang a, a scarlet, uh, um, yeah, if, if she would hang that scarlet thing out the window that uh, when they came and uh, destroyed Jericho, that uh, they would pass her by. Anybody that was in her household, they would let them live. And uh, um, it's interesting that uh, in uh, um, Hebrews chapter 11, that in the hall of faith, that, that even Rahab is mentioned in there, you know. And so before they... Uh, were to cross over the river, though, Joshua had the people consecrate themselves. And, uh, you know, consecration came back in uh, Exodus 19, 10 through 14, when um, Moses uh, was going to go up on the mountain. The Lord told Moses, tell the people to consecrate themselves. And basically, to consecrate yourselves is just to prepare yourself Prepare yourself for an encounter with the Lord. Prepare yourself for something amazing that's going to happen. And uh, what that means is just 
wash your body, wash your clothes, and abstain from uh, sex. And so, uh, in uh, chapter 9 there of uh, Joshua, he runs into, uh, when, when uh, Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, um, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor. Now, uh, Balak, he was still on the east side of the, the, the Jordan there. And back in Numbers 23, 24, Balaam tried to uh, curse Israel four times, but four times he blessed him. And on the fourth time that uh, he tried to curse him, there's an interesting blessing that comes uh, out, of the, out of that blessing. And uh, it's in uh, Numbers uh, 24, 17. It's a picture of the coming Messiah. He talks about a star coming out of Judah, which, uh, which is, is really interesting. And uh, ultimately, though, um, Balaam, you know, because he is a prophet, but he... Uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that's, uh, you know, selling, selling it for money. And he's not really a prophet of the Lord. He finally uh, tells um, Balak how to get, it, get to the Israelites. He tells them, look, the strength is in, uh, in their uh, um, allegiance to the Lord. If you just send some pretty women over there to their border and... Uh, these women will entice them, and uh, that, that'll do it. And so, that's exactly what they do. They, uh, they send some pretty girls over there, and uh, the men in, uh, in the camp, uh, they start to uh, swing with these girls. And uh, it's, uh, it turns into a mess, but it's an opportunity for uh, Phineas to... Uh, show his zeal for the Lord because he, uh, he spears a couple of them uh, while the, uh, the camp is trying to uh, um, get rid of these girls. And during that time, 24,000 people die as a result of uh, their um, uh, relationships with these Moabite women. And so... Uh, Finally, they, uh, they get to cross the Jordan, and uh, in verse 11, um, he says, You crossed the, the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But <clears throat> as you remember, when they crossed the Jordan... Uh, God performed the first big miracle for Joshua. He's, he separated the Jordan during flood stage, and uh, it was very similar to the miracle that uh, Moses did in the Red Sea. And 
it was just, it was, it was an amazing miracle. So all the uh, Israelites were able to uh, cross over on dry ground. And it gave the people a lot of confidence. And I'm, I'm certain that, uh, you know, Joshua himself, he already had the confidence, but it was the confidence that he needed to go into the promised land and conquer the land. And, uh, you know, in verse 11, he says, he crossed over the Jordan and came to Jericho. Now, you remember <laughs> what the Lord told him about Jericho. He said, uh, walk around it seven times, seven days. And on the seventh day, seven times and, and the walls will fall down. And so, you know, that was just an amazing story in itself because uh, these guys didn't have to lift a finger, you know, to, to bring the walls of Jericho down. It was just, it was an, it was an another amazing miracle that uh, the Lord did um, for, uh, for Joshua. Now, um, in Joshua... Uh, Five thirteen. Uh, just before they came into uh, Jericho, though, uh, Joshua encounters this uh, this man standing there with a sword, and Joshua goes up to him and says, "Hey, are you for us or are you for our enemies?" And the guy says, "No." He says, "I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground." Now, a lot of Bible scholars think that uh, this is actually a Christophany. You know, this is actually the Lord, the Lord of the host there is actually Jesus. And he tells Joshua, you know, basically, I'm going to fight the Lord's battles. I'm here to go ahead of you and fight the Lord's battles. And, um, you know, that's exactly the posture that uh, I take when... Like I said earlier, when I, when I go into a situation or I uh, need the Lord to go before me, I recognize that right here is the place where, you know, the Lord goes before Joshua to subdue the land and to fight their battles. So, uh, um, it's, uh, it's amazing that God uh, doesn't answer Joshua, that yes, he's for him or against him. He basically says, yeah, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, and I'm just here to do the Lord's business. And in some ways, you can look at that, and it's like, if you don't behave yourself, you could be doing battle against me, you know? And uh, I think Joshua realizes that. And so, uh, um. That is, uh, you know, pretty much summarizes the, uh, the, the, the part of the uh, um, text of the, of the conquest here. Now I want to talk about the service to the Lord. He, he moves down to 14 and says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your fathers. Throw away the gods that your forefathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt 
and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, you got to serve somebody. And um, you're either going to serve money or power or pleasure or toys or knowledge. And, uh, you know, Paul says, uh, for me to live is Christ. And uh, if you remember, you know, the god Molech of the Amorites, that was the god of pleasure. And so... You know, we all have to come to a place where we have to decide who we're going to worship, who we're going to serve. And um, a, lot of, a lot of people say that they're serving the Lord, but you know it's not until you look at their checkbook or even look in their trash can, you know. You can see what they're serving by looking at their, uh, their bank account or their or, you know, what comes out of their mouth. But, um, you know, what you do behind closed doors, God knows. And uh, God is worthy to be served. And uh, he's worthy to be trusted. And uh, we need to remember his promises, you know. Solomon asked uh, for wisdom to uh, serve the people. But God turned around and gave him incredible wisdom and everything else, you know, because that's the way our God works. He gives wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and he gives wealth and power beyond anything that we can imagine if we just humble our hearts and submit to him. Um, now, <clears throat> if you guys remember, before they went into the promised land, um, they conquered a couple of kings over there, the Amorite kings on the east side. And, uh, you know, Reuben and Gad and Manasseh, they went to Moses and they said, Hey, this is good land for cattle. You mind if we stay over here? And Moses made a big mistake. He didn't, he didn't uh, seek counsel of the Lord. And he told those guys that they could stay there. And, you know, if you remember the story... Ultimately, the Assyrians came in and took those guys over. And uh, I nicknamed those guys borderline Christians, you know, because they didn't go in with their brothers and uh, subdue the land the way the Lord told them to. They, they hung out on the other side. And, uh, you know, the land might have been good for cattle, but it wasn't good for their children and it wasn't good for their grandchildren. It, it wound up... Uh, turning out bad for them. And, uh, you know, we need to recognize that when God gives us uh, a promise, like the promised land, you know, we need to pursue that and we need to enter in. Uh, God has an inheritance for us. And, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to recognize what that is and we need to pursue that with all of our heart and all of our strength. In Ephesians 4, 11, it's the spiritual side of this inheritance that uh, God gives us. It says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, 
some to be teachers, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all of us reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature in attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, that's the kind of service that we should be seeking right there. Um, you know, the whole book of Joshua is about conquest, fulfillment, and service. But for us as believers, you know, God's already done the, the, the conquest and God's already fulfilled the promises to us. What we need to do is we need to submit to service and uh, recognize that, you know, God's the one that uh, God's the one that's going to go before us in everything that we uh, attempt to accomplish. And uh, I just want everybody here to recognize that we have a choice to make. You know, we have a choice to make whether we're going to serve the gods of this world, whether we're going to serve ourselves, you know, whether we're going to serve, uh, you know, earthly pleasures or whether we're going to serve the Lord. But Joshua here makes it very clear that he and his household are going to serve the Lord. Um, so today, I think, uh, is a good day for anybody who hasn't made that decision who they're going to serve to serve the Lord. <sighs> thank you. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just, uh, I recognize that I don't want to be a borderline Christian, Lord, that I just want to commit my life to you wholeheartedly, Lord, and that uh, I want to serve you. I want my family to serve you, Lord. And Lord, I know, Lord, that I've fallen short in so many ways, Lord, but you are so faithful and so true. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to give us the strength to serve you in the capacity that each one of us are capable of. In your name I pray. Amen.